0: you ready, Craig. Yeah, I think I'm ready.
1: I think I'm ready.
0: All right, and hello, everyone. Welcome to episode nine of Podcast Versus Everyone. Um, I am Craig Powers, and with me, as always, is Jeff Newser. And Jeff, how are you doing
1: tonight? I'm awesome you know big uh big week cougars about to go uh win four games and get to the NCAA tournament so no <laughs> just kidding <laughs> yeah you know um obvious <laughs> no i'm i'm actually really really good cuz gonzaga just lost
0: yeah gonzaga like just, just lost right before this podcast started really
1: right before it started i watched them lose to st mary's while scoring approximately 36 points
0: yeah it was like vintage, that was pretty great vintage like tony bennett uh and uh mark few battle
1: i know gonzaga all running around like we're not winning by 40 points what do we do we don't know what to do
0: yeah they won i think they were up by 50 in their semifinal yeah yeah and they've just been rolling through oh yeah they've just been
1: destroying everyone
0: i i hate to say it but it's probably good for them but
1: it probably is but But, it's, it's but it's
0: great it's great Sorry if uh, we have
1: any listeners who are Cougzags. I'm sorry if we have offended you, but we're not really sorry that we have offended you. So we hate Gonzaga, and we don't care who knows it. So fuck Mark View and that little weasel, and I don't care if you don't like it.
0: Yep. And, uh, hey, St. Mary's uh, stole a bid from someone probably. They were on the bubble. Yeah, how about that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I think they were probably off the bubble. Yeah. Pretty – I mean, maybe if they had played, you know, lost a close one, maybe, you know, someone talks themselves into the idea of uh, St. Mary's being on the bubble. But, but yeah, good for them. Good for Randy Bennett. Everybody, um, everybody seems to hate St. Mary's too, so that's cool. And yeah, uh, yeah so we get St. Mary's and Gonzaga in the tournament, which I guess is good. I don't know. Yeah,
0: yeah that the WC, WCC power. Yeah. Uh, so they're prop very prop. There might be more. WCC teams in the tournament than the Pac-12 so that would be interesting
1: I'd say that's a pretty high probability actually yeah. <laughs> I mean St. Mary's has a guy named Koozie so I can't <laughs> you know I can't uh, really? I mean it's not it's not, spelled, it's not spelled like Bob Koozie this guy's name is spelled K-U-H-S-E but you know, watching him play, it's kind of hilarious. He looks like a 1950s basketball player. And I'm not just talking about the fact that he's short and white. It's like the way he dribbles is like he dribbles with the ball, like really low to the floor. <laughs> like, you know, like those and like he kind of weaves in and out of players like those old, you know, Bob coozy videos that you've, you know, that you've seen or I've seen anyway. Cause I like watching that old stuff. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. He's cool by me. His name's coozy That's all right. Kind of like a beer coozy too. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, beer.
0: Yeah, so I know Jeff that uh, it was your birthday this weekend and you had plenty of beer. I Yeah. Um I don't think you're drinking one right now. I, <laughs> I haven't heard any I haven't heard any sips, yeah. but I but I know you have plenty to talk about after this weekend and I know yeah. you had some, um pretty high high potent high potency beers, so uh you know, talk about one of them.
1: Yeah, so actually it was um I was out for a friend's birthday. So my birthday is actually on Wednesday. So when you all listen to this, if you listen to it on Wednesday, it will be my birthday, happy 42 to me. Ooh. And uh yeah, whoo, I'm very like like it's kind of old young. It's like it's like I'm not old but I'm not young and it's, I guess that's the very definition of middle age, right? I don't know. Anyway, um so we were out with a friend and uh we started out uh, it was her birthday. So we were out celebrating her birthday. Um with their husband and and they listen to the podcast. So hi, Kurt, Hi, Megan. Uh, We're out at the Rhine House in Tacoma, which is a Bavarian themed bar and uh, and and tap room., um, and so went there and and had a beer and um, Luckily, I was able to find, uh, you know, a nice Holy Mountain beer there. And and then after that, they were going to go somewhere else, which didn't have great beer. And we were able to convince them to go to uh, the place back here in Puyallup, um, Rainier Growlers, which is my favorite place to go to, to drink beer. And uh, we, we got there and I noticed that they had a number of large beers on tap, um, one of which was Avery's Uncle Jacob's Stout. And uh, if you've never had Uncle Jacob's Stout, it's about a 15 percent stout um and so the first time i had uncle jacob stout was about two and a half years ago um, down in boulder colorado where avery brewing is located and i was with craig and pj and i, 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 yeah, I don't think ba made it to the brewery did he oh no i think ba and katie got, them, got in late yeah. yeah they got in late and uh and my buddy joe and my other buddy brady And we all went to Avery and, um, yeah, so I had some uncle Jacob stout and, uh, yeah, it needless to say, um, they were 10 ounce pours and I may have had more than two 10 ounce pours, (laughs) including (laughs) the other beverages that I sampled that night. And, uh, I'm not a, probably a great one to tell you how the rest of the night went because I, everything's kind of fuzzy, for me um and so i was uh but i do remember um I'm not feeling great by by the end of the night and uh, not drinking and very much re- yeah not drinking very much the the rest of the weekend um at the football game so anyway so it was it was good times to find that at rainier growlers uh, luckily for me um rainier growlers only did it in five ounce pours so i got a five ounce pour of that um, and then also had a five ounce pour of avery's tweak um which i actually liked better um, there was a little more coffee to it um, like you and I were talking about, kind of balances out the booziness a little better. Yep. Uh, so yeah, really liked that. Um, two really, really awesome, you know, high alcohol beers. If, uh, if Craig had not used the uh, Gardner Minshew naked jockstrap, uh, you know, stretching – rating i would have used it on those because i do i love both of them um i was really excited to find them at Rainier brawlers and uh yeah i don't i don't have i don't like spending you know like 15 on a 12 ounce bottle that i probably don't want to drink the whole thing so it was kind of nice to find it on tap and and nice little five ounce pours so yeah yeah um uh, that was uh that was an interesting night i remember uh
0: the the avery uh uh setup is there's, like, three or four different places you can get a beer. Which is cool. And, and, yeah. So, and then one of them, I remember, so there's the front bar, and they had, I think, like, Tweak or some some other big beer there. And then they had the bar that was, like, in the gift shop sort of area, and you could get another big beer there. And I remember to get Uncle Jacob's, this huge stout that's going to, like, drunk you up, you had to, like, walk across this catwalk to this, like, back bar in the in their big because they have a huge brew house and and it, you go to the but you walk down this catwalk to the end and they have this like bar in the back and that's where you so like to have like multiple portions of uncle jacobs we had to like take this trek every time right. our table in the front to the back and i remember i just kept buying every i just wanted like i was to, getting everything to sample and i was jeff try that you gotta try this yeah, yeah. one too you gotta oh this one's only 10 percent. it's no problem right uh, you right. know so we were we were uh we were having fun yeah and, and the, uh,
1: you know and the other thing was i i'm fairly certain so the 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 uncle jacobs i just had was the 2018 i think yeah. and uh and it was 15 i have a vague recollection of Whatever the 2016 Uncle Jacobs that we drank that night was something upwards of 17 or 18.
0: Yeah, I I, I think you're right on that. Um, I'm gonna see actually, if I can find it. I'm, I'm gonna just uh, I'm gonna look it up right now for you. Uh, so um, 2016 was at 17 percent. So okay. yeah. Because so that's you, when you when you said 15, I'm like, oh, they've dialed it back a little bit. Um, yeah, 15.9 though. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, that was a little yeah, and then yeah, some of the tweaks are always up there. Uh, yeah, there's they they make some big when they when they make their barrel aged stouts, they make them enormous. Yeah, and uh, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a fun night, um, part of a fun weekend. Uh, Regard that the Cougs lost, but still it was it was fun traveling. Still a
1: fun weekend. I Highly recommend. By the way, anybody who's thinking, I know that we you can't go down there this year because. Uh, we don't play in Colorado this year, but anybody who's you know considering making that trip is a really fun trip. Uh, yeah. Boulder, Boulder's a cool town, and and Folsom Field is just a really neat venue. And uh, the people in Boulder were pretty nice, except for the one old guy who almost tried to fight me. But other than that, um, everybody else was was super chill. And and yeah, it's it's a really fun place to go yeah. to a game. It's like this crazy like liberal college town meets country western, and it's like it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I had to, speaking of the people, I had a kid, because they, you know, which is crazy enough, like, it was almost exciting, because they, they they, beat us, and then they rushed the field. Right. <laughs> and and then uh, we were walking out. Um, I was frozen to the bone. Yep, it's, it was cold. It was that, it's that thin air cold. it's just getting, you know, once the sun goes down up there, it gets so cold, and we were we were getting to that point by the end of the game. And, but this kid walks by, we're just like looking for a warm place to go. And this kid walks by and he's like, you know, he's like, sorry, we rushed the field. And he was like really genuine about it. I was like, man, <laughs> that's okay, <laughs> man. No one ever rushes the field on us. So. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah Avery, that
1: was, I felt good for them. They were, they were nice. So anyway, and Avery was great. Yeah, Other Avery than was me, good. We, I remember I got irrationally angry with the server about something very stupid yeah. And everybody had to tell me to shut up and go away. Yep, I remember that. Uh, that was
0: <laughs> several giant stouts in. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was yeah good times. Yeah, yeah, had, had all the fun stuff. Um, yeah, so uh, I am drinking a beer currently. Uh, I tweeted it out uh, before the podcast. It is a beer from Degard Brewing. Uh, so Degard Brewing is in Tillamook oregon um and i'll get into this beer in a second kind of explain what they do so i'm drinking a beer they they make called the purple creek um described as a spontaneous wild ale aged in oak barrels with black and red raspberries plus montmorency and morello cherries montmorency cherries are very popular to use in beer um i don't know why but I um, so are balaton cherries uh i think they have like a tartness because uh, if you use like you don't see very many rainier cherry beers or anything like that because I think they're a little too sweet but to have too much fermentable sugar and stuff in there. Um, but, yeah, so uh, this has got two different types of raspberries, two different types of cherries. It's a very, very deep, uh, sorry to say it, purple color. It's obviously called the Purple Creek. Um, I feel betrayed I right now. I know, right? Um, it's uh, So it's a it's bad color, but it's a, it's a good beer. Um so when I talk I've talked about spontaneous fermentation before. I wanna see if you're listening, Jeff. Um what's spontaneous fermentation?
1: Uh that's where you just you kinda leave it open to the air, right? And kinda whatever settles in there, settles in there. Is that close? Yeah. Yeah. Um so spontaneous fermentation pass the test.
0: A little bit different from open fermentation is that where you have the same big tanks but they don't have a lid. But spontaneous fermentation you actually um you put it in a. Degard has a big cool ship. Uh, it's a it's a it's a tradition from Lambics in Belgium, and you, basically it's big flat thing. So you get as much um, of the liquid exposed to the natural yeast in the air as possible, and you oh, leave no. the windows open. So oh, <laughs> you, that's cool. You're letting everything come in. So so yeah, it's it, they brew all their beers um, with spontaneous fermentation, and they make all their beers now in a uh in that sort of lambic style where you're um doing spontaneously fermented beer then aging it in an oak and that and then blending uh multi-years of the vintages together and then possibly aging them on fruit and all that thing like that um in the past they uh, they kind of made their money starting out with they they because you can't start out and rely on three year old beers like you wouldn't be able to <laughs> survive so um they would make these uh spontaneously fermented Berliner vices. So they uh boo um was kind of the, the core beer. It was just like a two percent uh, uh tart wheat ale. And then um so Boo's named it for their cat and I'm actually uh, drinking a glass. they've made a, a few times they've made a glass uh that has a, a little uh cartoon picture of their cat boo on on the glass so it's called a kitty boo glass um so they made this series of boo beers which they don't make anymore which a lot of them are fantastic um, but now that now it's all these multi-year uh vintages and stuff and it's kind of some of the old the guard heads miss the uh the more simple uh quick made booze because you could get them for like and i know you like back then you could go there and you could get a bunch of these bottles for like five to eight bucks for like the 750 milliliters yeah uh, now it's more, uh, 12 is probably the cheapest one. And then something like this is more up around 18, uh, because it's just, you know, such a long process, but, but yeah, it's a, they're a pretty interesting brewery down, down there in Tilmook. So if you go down there for some cheese, you can go get, um, some really nice beer, uh, really different, unique beer as well. Um, I know you've been down there, Jeff.
1: Yeah, you gotta drive pretty far out of the way to find them too. They're like out past like an airport, like like not like an airport airport, like a well, they have a like a rural airport. They've opened up. uh,
0: Yeah, they've opened up downtown to whatever you want to call in in the middle of town now. So yeah, it's a lot easier to find. And the the cheese Tillamook cheese factory I think is reopened now. It was closed for a bit. so, you haven't
1: lived until you've had a uh, Tillamook grilled cheese and tomato soup lunch.
0: Uh, yep. Uh, yeah. So the, now two reasons to go to Tillamook. Um, really the but, only uh,
1: two, but that's okay. Yeah.
0: Hey, you know, <laughs> the, the, the coast isn't far. Yeah. But um, Degard
1: really is great. Degard, like if you're if you're into, you know, tart beers at all or anything like that, um, yeah, they, they really do make incredible ones. Um, find someone to share it with probably but yeah yeah and, and <laughs> or have, that some, point, have some have some on hand yeah to that
0: point they can get pretty acidic um this one is not so bad so far but i'm i'm not too far into it i split the bottle with amanda um uh just because i didn't want to drink a 750 milliliter of uh, tart beer uh, because their stuff um their stuff has kind of went through this fluctuation and based on the, because of the nature of how they make the beer, uh, there's the, you know, the different, bat this is batch four of this particular beer, the Purple Creek. And then they can kind of vary up and down um, in their, uh, in, in, in their kind of acidity. And they have, and I know some of their more recent batches have been um, seen as a little bit more acidic. Uh, I've had some long friends who've been longtime fans in there kind of not really into it as much I mean a lot of Degard stuff has been acidic in the past but I think uh when you first get into sour beers <laughs> and you're younger maybe uh that acidity kind of bothers you less because yeah. you're not prone to getting uh <laughs> but once you've once you've been been in the craft beer game and gained a few pounds and suddenly <laughs> uh that 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 stomach acid t- starts coming shooting back up your esophagus on a regular basis. Um, it's harder to do the highly acidic beers. This one's not too bad. Um, I mean, there's some that the first drink you have, like a lot of Cascade brewing beers and stuff, or, like you just like the first sip is just like you're like, oh god, this one is not that bad, especially considering it has cherries. Cherries can make things pretty acidic uh, sometimes, but um, this one's pr- pretty good. Um, I'm enjoying it. It doesn't have a ton of funk, but it's also uh, pretty young. It was bottled in January, Um, so uh, a lot of like, if you bought a lambic, an actual lambic from Belgium, like you probably would never drink something that soon. Um, But I just, uh, I had a friend pick this up for me. It was down there, and yeah, I don't get a ton of funk. There's a lot of fruit on the nose, like, like especially the raspberries, and then a little bit of cherries, and then they kind of work together it's got a pretty nice body to it for a sour beer like it's not super thin um it's got a little creaminess to it i think because of all the fruit in there um overall it's pretty dang good um we don't have a rating system i for now i'll just rate this based on number of adorable uh kitty booze and adorable kitties like on my glass so i'd probably go like four out of five if i'm just sticking to uh integers there um four out of five, uh, adorable kitties. But, uh, yeah, if you are, uh, if you have an idea for how, cause we're kind of retiring the Gardner Minshew system. We, we did like 16 of those that, that, that was <laughs> we, not, we
1: kind of exhausted. Yeah.
0: That. Um, I, I, we wouldn't want to get into like, well, you remember the third quarter, uh, second and 10, uh, he, uh, kind of dropped back. He, he, uh, he, hit, uh, Calvin on a little out and, uh, and he picked up four yards and yeah, that's how good that beer was no But, um, but yeah, so, but, so we're kind of exhausted that. So, uh, we have, um, uh, we have an email address. It's called podcast versus everyone vs everyone at gmail.com. If you have an idea for how we should rate the beers, uh, go ahead and send us an email, um, with that idea. Um, also, if you have any other questions that you have for us, let us know. Um, I'm, I think we're gonna, we're gonna do a, uh, open up a, a Twitter account for this as well. So, um, I'll, we'll tweet that out on the Cook Center account and, and my, uh, at the Craig Powers account. But yeah, so if you have an idea on how you want us to rate the beer, um, I'd love it if we just had a different one every week. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, let us know, um, cause I, you know, I'm, I'm fresh out of ideas um, but I still have plenty of beer to drink. Um, yeah. So I uh, apologize for a purple beer this week. Um, that's it, all right. Just, You're forgetting. It just sounded really good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't that's drink, crazy. and I would never drink this during football season. So I got to drink it sometime.
1: There you go. There you go. That works. I mean, it's, you know, every once in a while we got to have purple things like beer or coffee. Well, or, that's, that's or, so,
0: you know, Fremont just uh, released their. Uh, Brew 3000, this amazing barley wine. And it's uh, a beer I'd love to take to like tailgates and Pullman and stuff, but it's got big purple wax on the label or like big purple wax on it. So I'm like, no, that's that's staying home. (laughs) That's not going to Pullman because I thought it'd be a great beer to bring out to the spring game. But I'm like, no, 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 wax red, crimson. No,
1: no. sorry. Gonna put that one back in the cellar.
0: Yep well my that that 10 back in the summer what um (laughs) what uh yeah so um so speaking of spring football um we've been doing our series on just random positions that we find interesting and now we're we're going to do one that covers five different positions um and that's the defensive backs so um coming off of last year uh W. C. Returns are two starting safeties and a starting cornerback. So you're probably thinking, why the heck would you do this? But <laughs> but there, there's actually the the nickel cornerback you lose, uh, you know, a, a very important guy in Hunter Dale. And then uh, on on the other other side cornerback, uh, you have uh, you, you lose Darian Malton and Sean Harper. Sean Harper played four and a half games, I think. Or five and a half games last season. Uh, so, but those are the two guys, two positions you got to fill. Um, and Jeff, you know, looking at the roster, um, it's it's looking like it's probably going to be some JUCO transfers, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, what's what's kind of crazy is the way that um, they've loaded up on DBs in the last couple classes. Yeah. Um, just just trying to land as many dudes. Um, As possible, which I think, you know, you and I had kind of heard um, that maybe when when Tracy Clay showed up, that maybe he was not super thrilled with with the DBs that were on the roster. Um, And I think, you know, that was evidenced by, you know, signing some Juco guys the last couple of years. And this year they went super crazy on Juco's um, signing, I think, four Juco defensive backs. Yeah. And um, I think they're all already in Pullman. I think so. Yeah.
0: I think so. Plus, we got the last chance, of you kid.
1: Yeah. So you know, I mean, they. Uh, so so I think that tells you a little bit about what um, you know. Tracy Clay's thought about the 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 guys that were coming in, coming back. Um, you know, I think he liked Harper. Um, you know, and then you know you lose Moulton, you lose Dale, you lose Harper, um, and, and you know and, You know, Strong Marcus Strong was. I mean, good, obviously, in flashes, the album Bowl was great, yeah, <laughs> right, like I mean that was awesome, yeah, um but you know he's still on the small side, yeah. um, and I think it seems pretty clear by looking at the guys that um that they've recruited. Um, that they prefer bigger. I mean, if you look at, um, and I just, when I did the the table of all the recruits, um, I just put DB on anybody who was in the secondary. I didn't try to figure out who was going to be a safeway or safeway safety and who was going to be a corner. Um, and, and just kind of going down the Heights there, you've got Bryce Beekman, six, two Armani, um, Armani, Archie, six, one Derek Langford, six, two Shaman Moore, six foot Gatlin Griso Criso six, one. The only one that's under six feet is Daniel Isom. And, but when you watch him play, he's, he's really athletic, Um, you know, so he, he's a guy who I think can, can sort of get off the ground to, to contest balls. So, and, and maybe they, you know, envision him as. I don't know, something else, but it's just, it's pretty clear that Clay's, um, you know, as we saw, he's going to ask a lot more out of his corners than Alex Grinch ever did. And he needs those guys to be a little longer, a little, a little tougher, a little more physical, um, and not just able to, you know, drop back 10 yards and then rally to the ball. And then, you know, just wait for the, the opposing team to make a mistake. And, you know, and I don't know that one is necessarily, you know, better, or, you know, I mean, Alex Grinch coached a hell of a defense here and, you know, Tracy Clays coached a hell of a defense here last year. And so, you know, it's just the way you want to do stuff. And, um, so I, I tend to think that, you know, but bo- I, I tend to think that both the corner positions are going to be open in addition to the nickel. And I wouldn't be shocked if there was a little bit of a competition next to Jalen Thompson. I don't think, uh, Skylar Thomas came along quite as quickly as everyone would have liked. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously Jalen Thompson is uh, secure in his role. Um, yeah, and and like you said, um, Marcus Strong. It, they they rotate corners too. It's not um, I, because of injury last year. I think you saw Moulton and Strong get a lot more time, but um, you saw guys other guys play. And I I think Harper would have like because Moulton was kind of rotating as a and as as the third outside corner until Harper went down and then he kind of was the you know obviously main guy out there who teams love to throw to and then um uh, which was exposed later in the season of course um but uh yeah it's pretty interesting um i think Harper was far and away the best cornerback they had last year Oh yeah i don't think uh, it was close time. he didn't he didn't play the bulk of the Pac-12 season so um are you really which is kind of crazy right yeah yeah he he you know if you watch utah he went down in the in that game and he grabbed his shoulder and then i don't know magic whatever played against oregon state i assume he re-injured it against oregon state um because it was his shoulder that was clearly hurt when you'd see pictures of him later so uh yeah uh, um Uh, yeah, so because after Oregon State he didn't play again, so yep. not even after the long layoff for the bowl game, so he must have had something pretty nasty happen. So, yep. Um, obviously we're all speculating. Yeah, uh, no,
1: he was happy and healthy, man. No,
0: he was very happy and healthy. He just chose not to play.
1: Very happy, very healthy, and very shoulder in a arm in a sling. Yeah, the, you know,
0: I just there's days when I'm feeling pretty good and I'm just like it's a shoulder sling day. <laughs> oh, thing in there. like
1: you're like flipping through your clothes in the closet you're like hmm cougar sweatshirt cougar hoodie uh seahawks jacket uh mariner's shirt oh i got it shoulder sling
0: shoulder sling it's a shoulder sling day it's a shoulder I, sling i don't need to use this hand <laughs> I have two perfectly good hands. This I can, day
1: is going so great. I think I will challenge myself by eliminating one of my arms. Yeah,
0: I'm just going <laughs> to hold that out. Yeah, you know, that, that's because that's what you do when you're happy and healthy. Yeah. But, well, yeah, so it's, it's going to be interesting. All these guys are here for the spring. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to, you know, we'll at least get to see them play. And, and at least they'll get practices in. Uh, otherwise, they were going to be super thin. Uh, there's there's a couple preferred walk-ons at corner um and that that would have been and George hicks as well and then there there wasn't much else uh, outside yeah. of that and so they they needed uh these guys to come in and they needed uh guys that could come in in January as well otherwise we'd have a running back situation on our hands
1: yep so the yeah. only guy who's not coming early at least according to coog fan is Armani Archie the and he he was the high school kid yeah. so yeah. all the other all the other Juco kids are the Juco kids and then the uh, the gray shirt Gatlin Grisso so they're all enrolled they're all ready to go for spring practice which is great and I think I think that'll provide some clarity um, in terms of kind of what direction this is going Yeah. Uh, you know, because I I think really you know the interesting thing is that there's a lot of ways you can kind of mix and match these parts um, to try and get maybe the best unit. And I think I think that might be kind of the way the clays goes. I know we tend to think in terms of individual um, you know matchup matchups or you know individual skill sets or whatever, but you know that that secondary really is a unit, and they really do have to be able to work together and. Um, you know, so putting a guy next to, next to Thompson who, who, you know, makes the most sense there, um, you know, I think is, uh, you know, may not be the guy that sort of naturally comes to mind. And then, you know, most of these guys we've never seen. So, yeah. you know, you've got some young guys, you got like Tyrese Ross in there, who was a guy who looked pretty good coming out of high school, didn't mm-hmm. play last year. He redshirted, um, you know, we kind of know what Thomas can do. We know what some of his vulnerabilities are, uh, particularly in coverage, um, so yeah, going to be, going to be super interesting in spring ball to see kind of who's rotating where and, and, you know, and honestly that may not even, <laughs> I mean, they, they've been known to move those guys around a bunch. So, um, so yeah, we'll see.
0: Yeah. You know, but honestly, after, uh, which was thankfully in a win, but after the, uh, after what we saw against Stanford last year, yeah, uh, we saw what it and yep. even get in Iowa state too um yep. you saw the the perils of a yep. a, a really short defensive backfield and yep. and uh it's nice to see some of these uh guys in sort of a a Seahawks-esque uh uh you know cornerback set and uh so yeah it'll be um it will be interesting to watch i it definitely is a position where they could improve not maybe not a nickel corner but a, a, an outside corner for sure
1: yeah, they're gonna have a tough time improving a nickel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. Hunter Dale was fantastic. And and coming off the heels of, you know, Shalom Luwani being right there, um, we yep. really didn't miss a beat with that position. So um yeah, I hopefully they can find somebody, you know, sort of equally uh, equally impactful, equally explosive to, to be disruptive the way Hunter Dale was.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Um so yeah, that'll be uh that'll be a fun position to watch uh, come springtime something to look out for. Um, so, yeah, uh, next week, uh, I, haven't even, I haven't really, really thought about it. We'll, we'll figure out another position to cover. Probably another one on the defense. We've done two offense. We'll do another defense. Probably defensive line. Linebacker. Yeah, defensive defensive line sounds good. Yeah, defensive line. That's always yeah. an interesting thing at WSU. Yeah, uh, I like that. So, yeah, uh, moving on. We've already talked a bit about basketball, but not Cougar basketball. Yeah. Um, <sighs> So, uh, see, all we have left is to root and hope that the Huskies and Zags lose. Because uh, it can't <laughs> for our team to win, because it's like, because it's just, that's, it's a lost hope. But so, I mean, that's come silly. up a weekend, some very, very, like, very, like, just par for the course loss. Like, amazingly on-point losses, like, exactly what you expect. Like, it was so, like, okay, you're at home. Like I, I'm pretty sure Ken Palm had the margins like within a couple points in both games, and yep. and it was just it is crazy how that weekend just kind of went um, as you would expect uh, a- after having some uh, probably three straight kind of crazy weekends um, that were kind of all over the place, and then you have this uh, um, this kind of just in a ho hum. Poor Robert Franks has this. 30, what, 37 points, senior night. Yeah, uh, that was
1: pretty much the most fitting in yeah. to his career, which, you know, and I don't mean to say that in a way that's like, you know, make, poking fun at it, because, I mean, you know, good for him, I'm glad he was able to, you know, to go out with a strong individual performance, but it's like, you know, here he is making, like, everything, and the team can't play any defense, and they're just getting... I mean, really, they have no hope of winning, even though he's, you know, just going crazy. So, uh, you know, but yeah, we, we it, it was, was very Oregon on State. brand.
0: Yeah, we knew Oregon State was going to get a bunch of easy buckets. And, you know, uh, by the, by this time, by this time in the season, um, you obviously can you have some surprises. But it's more likely that you, you have enough data where you kind of can have a good idea about what's going to happen. Especially when teams have already played each other, um, and then, or uh, sure enough, uh, less than a week than after, or a week to, after they play Oregon, uh, they're playing Oregon again uh, on Wednesday or today. If you're listening to the podcast, yeah. Uh, I WSU at the Pac-12 tournament slash Pac-10 tournament has never been much to be excited about, even oh in God, the good it's been years. Horrible. It's yeah, been horrible. Yeah, they've never made it to the finals. They hit the semifinals once with Tony, once or twice, maybe this, maybe both years with Tony, um, or the, both good years. Uh, so you know, it's just. Uh, but in, in a season like this, you're just like, eh, just get it over with. Just or win four. I don't care. Just or just get it over with early if you're if you're not going to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it... yeah. I, you know, nothing quite like getting, we're going to get slapped around by Oregon again. Um, yeah. you know, Oregon's playing really well right now there. It's not just, yeah. you know, it's not just that, uh, um, you know, they are far superior. Dana Altman's just a really, really, really good coach. And, yeah. um, you know, one of the, one of the articles you know Michael Preston wrote an article about um you know Bill Moose and his role in this whole debacle um but down in the comments there there was kind of a discussion about you know just you know what Ernie actually had accomplished in Oregon you know and it was you know somehow this good gamble to to take on Ernie and I'm like I, I don't think people quite realize um, that Ernie actually wasn't that good at Oregon. I mean, people point to the elite eight runs and, and obviously you can't take that away from him and, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, if you have a good understanding of, you know, sort of the randomness involved in the NCAA tournament, um, an elite eight run is, is really awesome. I mean, like, you know, winning three games is great, but it's also like maybe not the best indicator of, you know, how good a team was in, in, in really in any given year. Right. And, and so, you know, to g- people kind of constantly point to that and it's like, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think people like kind of realize or think that much about, you know, what he actually did and what he actually did wasn't like that impressive. Um, particularly when you put it up against what, you know what altman's done so you know ernie was at oregon for 10 years and made the ncaa tournament four times so four times in 10 years yeah um you know was eliminated in the first round twice as an eight nine seed made the elite eight twice as a two three seed you know okay like that's not bad, but like when you go through like his Ken Palm rankings, like the years they didn't make the tournament, you've got, you know, they were 71st, they were 79th, 93rd, 66th, you know I mean? And then his last two years, of course, were a train wreck. And so, you know, it's, I mean, they were kind of up and down, Um, you know, and then you look at Altman and he's making the tournament pretty much every year. Um, And you know he's got a final four to go with it. It, it. Anyway, it's just, you know, and people want to point to facilities and, and I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't, you know, I don't know. You look at Ernie Kent's recruiting classes um, when he was at Oregon and they were every bit as good, you know, in consideration of like national rankings, they were pretty much on par with what Altman has done. You know, Altman landing bull bowl, bowl this year was unusual. Like he's not yeah. landed generally, you know, the five star top 10 type kids. Like he's just loaded up on, you know, three, two or three top 100 kids each year. Um, and that's basically what Ernie was doing, you know, and those kids, I I wrote about this way back, like the first or second year Ernie was with us. I just kind of said, you know, his best teams were senior laden. Um, you know, when he'd get those really touted kids, they didn't play very well for two, three years. Um, and I think we see why you know, he doesn't, um, I, he's just not very good coach. And, you know, after four years, yeah, the kids finally figure it out. <laughs> you right. know, it's like when I watch Ernie's offense, I I really don't have any idea what their actions are supposed to accomplish, what kind of shot they're supposed to be getting, where on the floor they're supposed to be attacking. Um, you know, and you hear things like CJ Ellaby in a story earlier this year said, yeah, coach just kind of puts us in spots and, you know, trusts us to figure it out. And I'm like, like, in theory, that sounds good, but that's also, like, I mean, that's that's really, really close to the old roll-the-ball-out trope. And so, yeah, it's, you know, Oregon, they're going to kill us again. Whatever. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Um, I think your your point's pretty interesting on um, looking at Ernie's body of work. And, and what I always come back to is, uh, like, if you're evaluating a mid-major or low-major coach to hire them. Is how how do they do in the totality of the season um, relative to the other teams in their league? Because that's that's the only kind of basis that you have of how you know how they can compare to their peers. Um, And I think that it shows like when it when a when a guy maybe uh, rolls through a couple conference tournaments and and makes it to the um, NCAA tournament from a low major conference. That doesn't necessarily mean he's built this great program or anything like that, and I think we kind of got uh, lost in that with Bone a bit when it, because if you look at his his like teams weren't really dominating the Big Sky by any means, mm-hmm. uh, they were, they, but they were definitely like top half. But even the 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 years he went to the tournament, that he wasn't necessarily like the best team in the Big Sky, and he just you know won the tournament because a lot of the teams are kind of. We're kind of bunched around, so he wasn't getting like his ass handed to him, of course. Like he, he was definitely like in, you know, towards the top anyway. But, but you, you see, like, um, it's kind of we come back to it, but like, we obviously see that like Tony Bennett is just winning ACC titles like regularly now, and it, like it's crazy. Um, I think a lot of us thought, oh, he's not gonna, it's not gonna work there in ACC, like what he does. But when he was at WSU of all places, he, he had a, you know, a top two or three team, uh, right. multiple <laughs> and, and so it's just like, yeah, when you, when you, when you put a guy, when you put it, like, when you look at the relative, like what they, what their program has compared to the other programs and, and what they're able to do honest, uh, the entire season, not, not these end of end of year, uh, tournaments, which finally, uh, under Ernie, I think Oregon did really well in these end of season tournaments. Uh, they like he, I don't, I don't know if that's a that's a thing. Like, like Oregon won the uh, Pac twelve Pac the tournament a couple times. Uh, but he, but he never won the uh, regular season title. I, is that right? Like, I don't. I think I, that's right. Yeah, I don't think he ever won the actual regular season title, um, which. In fairness, it was an extremely tough league, and in, in the years he had his best yeah. teams, but also he didn't have his best teams when the league wasn't as good. So, um, and to your point, like it was, uh, and you wrote this when he was hired, uh, that his teams were led by fourth-year seniors who were like four-star recruits. <laughs> like, right. So, so, like Aaron Brooks and uh, Malik Hairston, and and uh, you know. Uh, uh, going farther back, like well, Ridenhour never. Marty like Lunin. yeah. Marty Mar- Lunin
1: was a was a high recruit. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So yeah, you know those guys. Bryce Taylor is a name that he never really panned out into like a really really good player, but he was definitely a top fifty kind of recruit. So. Well, Hairston yeah.
0: was probably one of their biggest, and and he.
1: Yeah, he was a five star kid. It, it, he was it definitely took, a.
0: It, it took him till his senior year really to figure it out. Like he was, he was a like this kind of a bust until then. And he was very good his senior year, which happened to be the same year as uh, like when the Cougs rose up and UCLA was, you know, in their three straight final fours. (laughs) And like, and it was in Arizona was still good and all these, like, so it was just like, like a crazy couple seasons. And, and once again, we'll go back to this season is like a complete 180. Um, Jeff, do you think uh, if, if someone other than Washington wins the Pac-12 tournament, will Washington make the tournament? No. So no. what we have is is a very high, like, because there's no other team that has a resume. that Washington probably, uh, Arizona State has the best wins, but they have just fucked up so many times. Like, they screwed it up. Like they they had a they had a a solid resume going into Pac-12 play, and if they could have run through the conference, won 14 games or so, they probably would have, uh, you know, sealed themselves a a, a at-large bid. But that didn't happen. Washington's the only team that ran through the conference, Uh, but they didn't have much of anything to show for their non-conference schedule, and they've had. Obviously, a very recent, horror, like, very embarrassing loss, and then you they another big loss to Oregon. So they've uh, put themselves in a difficult position. Um, I could see Oregon running through this thing, honestly, at this point. I could
1: too. I I think you know I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see if Oregon can, even if they don't necessarily win the tournament, if they can play themselves. Onto the bubble simply yeah. maybe by making it to the final or something like that. I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting. I mean they're That's they're finishing.
0: know. Um, yeah. It probably would matter if they beat Washington in the semis or not, or, or early on or not.
1: They, yeah, they'd probably have to beat Washington again. Um, you know maybe even beat Arizona State just to kind of provide a little more separation there. I don't know. You know it's I, I, and I am not even looking at the brackets. So I, <laughs> I, I have no <laughs> so, idea what it looks like. So it can be okay. So.
0: Um. No, they're opposite sides. Oregon would not meet Washington until the final. Okay. Uh, they would potentially. They could meet Arizona State in the semis.
1: Okay, so that would be a good win for them. So and they I don't have, know, like they're
0: Utah, just Utah, Arizona State, or Stanford, UCLA, but probably Arizona State. They're
1: kind uh-huh. of they're they're just kind of coming around right now with you know a whole bunch of guys who, you know, and I know that you know Bull Bull got hurt you know, a while ago. So I mean it's not like yeah, you know, they suddenly yeah. had to figure it out. But um, you know, they they he was the team was built around him, you know, and and he's such a crazy special weird talent, you know, in a delightful way, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, so to to remove that, I think takes some adjustment. And everybody else was, you know, the the guys who were most um you know, who had the skill to maybe take on that responsibility were young. You know, you got a guy like Louis King and, you know, it took him a while to kind of figure out how to be the guy. And now they've kind of put it together a little bit. They play really good defense. Um, they score just enough. And and that's that's a dang good team. That's that's a team that if they, you know, if they, they somehow snuck into the tournament as an 11 seed, that, you know, they, they are the proverbial nobody would want to play them kind of team
0: yeah but it's tough they you know they got 12 losses uh if they if they they lose in the tournament they'll have 13 losses and are you taking a 13 loss team from uh the worst like the worst power five conference i mean probably not (laughs) yeah that's yeah probably not i mean arizona state who, who knows but like they're not really on the bubble that And they don't don't really have the chance to play themselves onto the bubble in in this tournament because they're they're not, they're not getting any marquee wins. Like it's not, this is so different from other years and where, where it's, it's almost to the point where like there was no reason to have it other than gosh, let's hope UW loses. (laughs) But, but like, but like, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be crazy. Um, if, the Pac-12 is a one big, one bid league. Like we've been, I've been joking about it all season. Yeah. Um, but it's now very much a reality.
1: No, it's pretty much, it's pretty much guaranteed. I, I don't, I don't see any way that it's not. I mean, I, you know, I sit here and say maybe Oregon could play the way out of the bubble, but I, but I doubt it. Like, you know, I think there's.
0: If, but yeah, so Washington doesn't really have a chance for any good wins on the way to the final. Um, Cause they're at best, they're going to play Oregon state or Colorado right. and then Arizona and USC. And neither, and,
1: one, none of those are impressive.
0: None of, none of those are going to sway a committee. Um, Cause Washington doesn't really have any big wins. Um, if they could have snuck by Gonzaga, you know that they probably have it right now, but. Um, yep. They almost did, but... Um, but they didn't. Uh, honestly, though, I... I think that's the one game a year I root for Washington.
1: Yeah. Oh, boy, that is quite the moral dilemma.
0: I, I don't know, this. So, I, when, when I went to school...
1: I root for the, for the Comet to obliterate the... Anyway.
0: When I went to school, you know, the basketball team was sort of coming up and... Uh, they were getting more notoriety just because Dick Bennett was there. And then my senior year was Tony's first year. And you could see that there were so many Gonzaga shirts walking around campus. Because they were such like, um, you know, that by that time the program had gotten very popular, especially in Spokane and then just the rest of the state of Washington even. And they would just be so and, – and the basketball players would take – Offense to it, because like there's only one reason that kids weren't weren't wearing a Gonzaga shirt. Sure, yep. (laughs) And so they had a chip on their shoulder, and you know when it came to playing Gonzaga, and so in Dick Bennett's final year, Dick Bennett's first year that Gonzaga beat the hell out of him, and Dick Bennett's second year they lost by two. Um, when it was in Pullman, and then they got beat up again in, in in Gonzaga, but. Then you saw Tony Ben's first year, they beat him. His second year, they beat him. Uh, not the third year, but, but, you know, I think they definitely had a chip on their shoulder when it came to playing Gonzaga. And it kind of went from, like, Gonzaga was like, I, you know, I wasn't like, I was like, yeah, I'll root for them, come turning time, because they're from Washington, to being like, screw them. Like, like we have fans on our campus that consider themselves, like, WSU football fans at like Gonzaga like there was the big, the running joke on campus was that Gonzaga was WSC's basketball program, and that pissed me off. I'm like, you know, you can go watch our actual basketball team like play, and 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 like, I don't know, we had this unique style, and maybe that drove people away, you know, when there's uh, 39, 37 games and stuff like that. But but you know, it just got really frustrating to me, and just built this sort of hatred for Gonzaga to the point where it's almost like gonzaga's uh just because how you know gonzaga's uh re- basically ended the the relationship with us had to make this like you know before that we had to do this thing where we played our home game in spokane and all that you know kind of yep. the kind of the original uh when uh the yeah it's just it it's so it, it at this point i'm like you know what uh the uh if, when Washington plays them um I kind of like to see Washington beat consecutive um but now at, at this point looking back I'm probably glad Washington lost cuz I would very much like to see them go uh roll through the Pac-12 like they did and once again for the second time win the Pac-12 regular season tournament and not go to the tournament so oh, yeah
1: <laughs> I forgot that they were the, the ones Pac-12 last time too yeah.
0: Yep. So the last time they won Pac-12 regular season, they yes. also missed the tournament. So, um, okay. but you know that first, that first, that eight nine, like USC Arizona, Arizona could definitely beat them. And so it's
1: oh, anybody you know, could beat them.
0: And well, and plus they play a style. And, I think
1: even we could beat them, Craig.
0: Well, okay. Well, we They're almost carried away. Yeah. Well, they almost did in Pullman <laughs> with like you know a huge crowd of like fifteen hundred. Right? It's like their biggest crowd of the year. <laughs> Um,
1: 1500 screaming rabid cougar fans.
0: but uh freel the heat. but Washington plays this style where you know their their defensive style and if you play fewer possessions, you're ripe to be upset like yep. it, that, and you t- Tony Bennett knows that better than anyone. And mm-hmm. so like you you because it's already uh, a, a very common strategy. That has led to some upsets in 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 the in and in, in the tournament is a team will just slow it down because if you limit the number of possessions, you limit the opportunity for their uh, their uh, a athletic and uh, skill uh, uh, advantage over you to um, come to fruition. So uh, you know it'll be interesting to uh, watch. Um, I know you dubs fans are firmly clenched right now, their butts are firmly clenched right now, because um, they pretty much need to win three games um in three days, or uh you know this fun season they had is going to the n i t
1: God it's gonna be awesome yeah. it's gonna be glorious,
0: oh man, it could be a great week in vegas
1: it could be i might I might like so my buddy uh Brent's down in Vegas right now, and he was saying that you could get a Get an all-session pass for like a hundred and twenty bucks <laughs> 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 from from your local third-party uh, ticket reseller. Oh
0: yeah, I can't imagine the third-party Pac-12 tournament tickets are are a hot commodity.
1: Yeah. Right? So uh, anyway, but that would be worth the price of admission to just go and and watch the watch the Washington meltdown. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, you know, I think I see what you're saying, though, with Gonzaga and Washington, because you just, you, you know, we dislike them both for the same reasons. Right. I mean, it's it's the um, you know, it's it's the it's the snobbishness. It's the, you know, whatever. And, and with, you know, with Washington, it's like as much as we despise it, it's like on some level, if we are really honest with ourselves we sort of like acknowledge that it's legit. Right. Like, I mean, Washington has like all this money and all this institutional history and like just I mean, it's like you just go, you know, I hate it. But you're also like, I mean, you know, whatever. Like, I kind of get it, you know, but with Gonzaga, it's like, you, know, you like you guys have been doing this for like 20 years, like. <laughs> you know like i was at the first one at key arena the first run i was there for those yep. two games with santangelo and richie Fromm and all that all those guys and it's like you know there were not ten thousand gonzaga fans in that arena i just want to point that out
0: <laughs> i mean everyone now, was really for gonzaga
1: <laughs> and they beat and they beat stanford also how the hell
0: did a 10 seed get uh, uh, the first round games yeah, in there know. that you never see that happen anymore like a 10 seed or minnesota have, beat
1: Minnesota in the first game sorry go
0: ahead yeah where probably the majority of their uh alumni base lives and like right it's yeah yeah uh, so i always say i've thought about that many times like how the hell was gonzaga playing in seattle well,
1: and they played so they played minnesota in the first game and minnesota had if you remember all kinds of Suspensions and they were in the middle of an academic scandal. I think it was, and the whole thing was just a train wreck. And so, so they beat you know Minnesota. Minnesota plays like crap. And then there's ten thousand Gonzaga fans for the second round game. They are buying every damn ticket that they can find, and everybody's cheering for little Gonzaga and you know it was great and i'll admit at the time i was like you know all right you know i'm I'm down with this (laughs) fine you know um then they beat stanford and we got to laugh at stanford so that was cool and then it's like you know like ever since then then it just became you know oh you're wazoo you're whatever you know you i don't know it's just it's annoying so when when washington beats um gonzaga now in basketball it's it's a little bit of of gonzaga getting a little bit of a comeuppance and, and so i kind of get it i am torn i'm torn because my my deep-seated um to the depths of my soul hatred for washington um is sort of by my it is, is sort of up against my like irritation like like extreme irritation with gonzaga which is a little different
0: yeah yeah it's you know it's it's funny because yeah, I, it's it's kind of similar for me because I well I went like uh, when I was growing up I you know rooted for the Huskies and the Cougars I mean but like the Huskies were on TV more and sure had more uh, regular success and and uh, of course uh, you know I followed the the Rose Bowl year when I was like 12 uh, for the Cougs but um, the Huskies were regularly ranked in the top 20 and they. Uh, you know, the, then there was the Marcus 2 Sopo year and all that stuff and so there's a lot of things I remember and then it was like this switch flipped when I, you know, decided I was going to WSU, it was like, no screw that, and yep. the Gonzaga part, it was like uh, that kind of had to be built, like so it was like this It like the, the UW part, you just kind of like, it's like once you're at WSU, you're like you get it like, it's us versus them. Um, but the Gonzaga part, I think, because there's still a lot of, uh, especially Cougs that grew up in Spokane, um, a lot of, like, Gonzaga fans and, among Cougs and whatever, just don't wear that stupid shirt with the, the that guy made the half.
1: Yeah, the half dear shirt, God. The half,
0: just, just wear one of them, man. Because that means you're rooting for Gonzaga. We get it. Like, come on.
1: Yeah. I but, think we uh, just offended all of Spokane.
0: Yeah, but so, you know what? Like, uh, I just, I, I can't stand them. And, and you know, it was, it was at least like, it was nice, like, because they went to the Elite Eight the first year, and then the Sweet Sixteen the second year, and then couldn't get out of the second round when they were getting these for higher like seats forever for a long time, and that was like our one like saving grace, like, like you can't. Like yeah, you get it. You roll through the WCC, and and then of course they went to the national title game, but thankfully they uh, lost that one. Um, I you know what
1: they? You know what they haven't done though? Gone to the title game twice. Still not <laughs> as good as Butler Gonzaga. You're still yep, not as, still good, not as, as good as
0: Butler. Oh my God! The uh, how mad Gonzaga fans got when Butler went to the final four the first time.
1: Oh. It was glorious it was
0: that was cr- like it's kind of funny you just don't think about it but they, uh, they they still think of themselves as the mid-major when they clearly don't have a mid-major program anymore right but so but then it just to give us that insight into their psyche that they still view themselves as a mid-major um was was interesting to me because i think even by that point you're like really you still like you've been to the tournament like what at that point it was like 12 straight years or something Right. Um, And and you you still think you're a mid-major like they've gotten at large bids in that time. So it's like uh, with like high seeds, you know, two, three, two seeds, three seeds, they've gotten multiple one seeds at this point. They're getting another one this year. And uh, even with that loss, obviously they will. But um, yeah, so it's 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 funny uh, now. It's just it's it's truly it's crazy what 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 that program has been built into. And it's annoying because our program is absolute shit. And that's also part of the, the hatred because they're only 75 miles away and yep. they're in Spokane, which it ain't much better to recruit to than Pullman. So, um, yeah, so there's obviously a little pettiness in there, but it's a oh, lot. One, just, there's a lot of pettiness a lot of
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I will, I will own every last ounce of that pettiness.
0: Yeah, Absolutely yeah so yeah yeah so if you're uh let us know uh we' we'll gonna start that twitter maybe maybe tomorrow, podcast for on twitter
1: are we uh, the only know, podcast let... that didn't launch with a Twitter handle like went like two months of podcast without having a twitter. I know isn't or, that like just, part or, of like twitter start like the start a podcast manual is like set up twitter account, twitter
0: instagram all yeah. that we're we're bad at this. We're um but yeah let me let me know if uh get get at me on at the craig powers let me know if you're let Ooh. me know about how how you fall on on UW versus gonzaga and not if you're a gonzaga fan coog fan like i don't i don't need i don't need i don't need, obviously <laughs> your opinion is obvious there but if you hate them both um let me know if any uh anyone else like uh actually finds themselves rooting for you dub um but yeah so um yeah, it's 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 more fun talking about basketball when you don't have to talk about the Cubs as much. So Yeah. Like uh, see what we
1: did there? We let's see, we talked about Oregon, we talked about Gonzaga, we talked about Washington. We didn't even like come up with any Guess, guess of the what game. we
0: do we get to do next week? Talk about the fucking tournament. So Yeah. Yes, which then you'll see Jeff and I nerd out oh, next week. That's,
1: we're, gonna, that's, we're gonna nerd out so hard. Yeah. yeah. So we I like, yeah. Yeah, you're going to
0: hear the word Ken Palm Reiki like oh. seven, eight times at least. And you're going to love it. Offensive efficiency. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Four factors. Absolutely. I was uh. totally going to uh, – oh, and uh, stay tuned for and future episodes. Um, just as a teaser, uh, M- Milan Aqua led the whack in scoring this season. <laughs> So we're gonna have to do a rundown of guys yeah. who left the uh, the Cougar program under Ernie Kent and can't see how they're doing. Yeah, uh, but anyway, good anyways, luck so,
1: finding some of them.
0: So yeah, um, Pac-12 tournament. We just talked up Oregon, so watch the Cougs go out and beat them somehow.
1: No, they won't. No,
0: they won't. They'll, They'll get won't. smoked.
1: That like I I am more confident in the idea like. Like this last weekend, it didn't surprise me that they played both of those games pretty tough. Like they, um, you know, kind of coming off, uh, you know, to some degree being embarrassed a little bit, um, you know, between the the losses to uh, not not even a little bit, a lot. Right. With the losses to Stanford and Cal. Oh, yeah. uh, so it didn't shock me. You know, it was the last weekend at home, senior day, all that stuff. Did not shock me at all that they played Oregon and Oregon State pretty tough. Um, But, you know, this one, I I would not be shocked if this one was just a roll over and die situation. If they really just get run off, you know, the antiseptic environment, um, you know, Oregon sort of rolling right now. They do have the – it is
0: the – the last game of the night, yeah. which is helpful when it's not, at least not the
1: 11 a.m. start. Well, except it'll probably tip off at like 8:30 or 8:45, and not 8 o'clock.
0: You know, yeah. I mean, like you get more of the get more of the gamblers in there for the age. That's true.
1: That's true. I mean, that's what we really need is like some of those drunk gamblers to just stumble on in and start heckling everybody. Some,
0: like and they and they took the they took the Cougs to cover for some goddamn reason. <laughs>
1: How many people come in and start heckling Ernie Kent? <laughs> oh
0: man! All right, man. Uh, yeah. Sports. Woo! All right, Yay we.
1: sports. We
0: did yeah. an hour of sports. We got well, super, not all
1: of it, but
0: well, yeah. most of it. Super most deep. It. Um, I, I want to, I kind of want to continue the sports train here because there was a pretty, it is was this, so this is sports, sports, sports and pop culture, and uh, not really politics, but. But um, um, of, I mean, it's sort kind of politics. Is social I, I, justice. I, yeah, I it's social. Equity. We can, we, can get, we can get social things involved. So the, this is yeah. the the combination sports, politics, pop culture uh, segment, uh, which we're which we're calling. Becky is bringing down USC. And. <laughs> So uh, I'm sure most of our readers have saw, seen the story. It does even if you like, you, I don't know, like, so um, the FBI uh, arrested a bunch of uh, parents of students at potential student athletes um, at uh, universities um, for uh, bribing test officials To change their scores and then also bribing universities to get their uh, students uh, changed to possibly a status as student athlete, just in effort to get them into these more prestigious schools. Um, uh, Jeffy, you might have to correct me on this, but so what's the thinking there? Is it because the student athlete might have like lower admissions requirements or?
1: Yeah, so I mean, The way I understand it is that most schools have a certain number of admissions set aside for um, for athletes. One one thing. (laughs) (laughs) You had to open up the side piece. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they. So they. My understanding is they they sort of have a certain number of admissions set aside for for athletes, basically. Um, Some schools, the admission standards might be a little bit lower. I don't think it drops below like some kind of threshold of what they would accept, but I think there's a little more like flexibility there. Like, like basically it's a, okay, if you're providing value to the university in this way, we're able to like, you know, overlook maybe some blemishes in your record in order to get you on campus. Right. Um, And so, yeah. And so it just kind of can get you looked at, can get you fast tracked. Um, you know, might you might be it because they've set aside those admission spots for athletes, you know, you maybe don't have to compete. You're not, basically you're not competing with the. Right. With the uh, student population at large, and that was that was kind of the big thing, you know. The FBI guys, the the not the FBI guy, the uh, U.S. attorney who was talking said, you know, it's like, look, college admissions is a zero sum game, right? Like, you know, this kid gets in, that kid's not in. Right. If this kid gets in by fraud, then a kid who deserves it doesn't get in, and and so that's kind of that's where the you know the the criminal aspect came from.
0: Well, and then you're gonna get more of the political aspect is like. So, or just, so you're, you, all the, all these parents who are bribing, uh, obviously they're wealthy millionaires to, um, even more, uh, and they, so their kid has had plenty of opportunity given to them, uh, probably private schools, probably all the tutors and whatever, and, and you still can't get them in without cheating, yeah. Maybe you're sending your kid into somewhere they don't need to be. <laughs> like, <honestly.
1: laughs> maybe,
0: like, maybe, maybe they going to uh, Chico State is fine. Like, you, they don't need to go to UCLA or USC or, you know, like or Yale. Or Yale.
1: <laughs> that was part of this.
0: Like where where we hear about these Ivy league schools where the kids are just feel these intense pressures to perform and like, it and then you want to send your kid who like who you had to like buy a test score and then buy off a, a university official to get them in. Like yeah. you just like, is, is the Yale degree that valuable? You're already millionaires. Like yeah. what, what do they need? What do they need the Yale degree for? Like, Just let them go to the state school and then come back out and then you get to you have the money to help them find whatever job they want. Like, like, what are you trying to say? You're you're like you're you're setting your kid up for failure. But 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 in the process, you think you're being a good parent by giving them this great opportunity to go to this great school.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of bananas. One of the questions that was asked I was listening to a, another podcast. I was talking about, and they were saying like, "Well, why didn't they just do it the old fashioned way, which is give the school a large donation so that the school will accept your child?" You know, because <laughs> right, because that's like the time honored. Uh, well,
0: I think there tr- was some donations tied to the uh, the uh, changing of the status
1: yeah i mean i know that like they had to give money to this like fixer dude yeah to do it but anyway i was just like you know it's probably honestly cheaper to pay the fixer dude like yeah. like th- probably, than it would I, be I, you know like is a is a twenty thousand dollar donation gonna get your kid into yale yeah probably not right but, but like
0: you, but you know what But you know what the twenty thousand dollar donation doesn't get you felicity huffman that is true is in was arrested and put on $250,000 bail right and, uh, <laughs> Aunt Becky's uh, Lori Laughlin's husband who this is a very 90s thing because so her husband is the Massimo guy like do you remember Massimo? Oh
1: yeah no I remember Massimo
0: I didn't even know that and he got arrested and put a1 million dollars bail Ugh, and she was so in Vancouver fantastic. filming a movie or something. and uh and so she had to come back and and so she i think she's on house arrest or something but yeah um it's crazy like i i i am positive when they were making when they were making these bribes that they would never they never thought anything like that could have happened oh
1: no i they probably didn't even think they were doing anything illegal to be honest i i'd be surprised if they thought what we are doing is criminal You know, because they they generally don't think. But, you know, I just – I kind of like – so then I start going through and I go, okay, so this is great. I mean, good. They're – you know, they call a big press conference and, you know, talk about all the people they've arrested and that's lovely. But when we're living in a world where Paul Manafort does what he did and gets like, you know, four years in prison, like, I mean, what are we looking at here for these guys? Like a month? Two months?
0: Yeah. I'm I'm sure (laughs) – I, I'm when, sure when it's all be, said and done, when this all be, shakes it'll out, it'll be house arrest. Uh, I don't think I, I. I. bet there won't even be jail time. I. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but honestly, like if you talk about why, why is this a crime? Why is this? Because here's the thing: is like especially in the, in the situation, like in both situations. So, um, when you're having your kid, um, like you said, zero sum zero sum uh, game here you have your kids test score manipulated uh that means it's they're making their test score higher than another kid yeah That's, they're obviously good like there there's a certain level of um a quantitative uh part of admissions where there's an automatic like well this kid's this high and, and then he has this score and he has this gpa and whatever um where they're kind of like automatic you know and so you're, you're, you're getting to that point and you're stealing, uh, uh, you know, stealing a bid, as we would say, yeah. a tournament from someone else. And and then and then you're talking when you're getting to the level of the uh, of the student athletes, um, there's there's no secret that a lot of the scholarships and a lot of the admissions that go to student athletes are to people who would otherwise never have an opportunity to go to college. Yep. And and you with your millions of dollars who could send your kid to any other college, like any other college they want to go to that isn't a top tier public school or top tier private school like they could go anywhere else. And and they've given every opportunity to go like their their chances of going to college were 100 percent as soon as they were born. And, and then you're taking the opportunity to go to one of these elite schools uh, from another kid, and you know that's where it gets despicable, and and uh, you know where you're like, yeah let let him let him do some time or pay some fines or do like you know, because like come on, like like I said before, your your kid already had the opportunities, man, like and, and he's still gonna have the opportunities. Going to you know Cal State school is fine, like you can go to Cal State. You don't they, they can't get into UCLA. Uh, can't get into USC, can't get into Yale. I mean, heck, they, there's like a million other private schools that would take them. So uh, we're, you know, so it doesn't, like, it doesn't matter, like, if they go to Yale. Like, so they were, you know, I don't know. It, I get it. They're trying to be a great parent, but I think you're being a little misguided in in your efforts.
1: It's gonna be fascinating to see what happens to the kids how many of these kids it comes out that knew what what was happening, knew what was Mm -hmm. going on. Um, They did say that on this podcast I was listening to, they did talk about how um, one parent didn't want their kid to know what they were doing. And so when they were trying to fix their test score, they were like paying the person to change the there answers after yeah. after, after, the fact, after the fact, so that the kid went in, took the test, and left, and then thought that they had scored whatever they had scored. Yep. Can you imagine being that kid and finding out? Like, wait a minute, was I that kid? I was that kid! Oh my god! <laughs> like, like my mom like, had my score. I totally score didn't fixed. think I scored a
0: fourteen sixty. Yeah. What the hell? I knew
1: it. Like, my whole world, like, my whole sense of self has been completely turned upside down now that I didn't score a 34 on the ACT. Like, I don't know. Yeah,
0: I don't even know what the the SAT scores are now. I think they're different than when I was in school. They
1: did go back. They went back down to the 16. Okay, okay. They went up for a while to 2,400 and now they're back. And that was,
0: that outdated reference became dated again. Or less, it became on, on. Relevant. Relevant again. Relevant again. So, Greg, I'm being relevant. So, Felicity Huffman. um, You know, I think most people know her from Desperate Housewives, but you may remember her from. So, Aaron Sorkin apparently loves news type shows, and long before he made The Newsroom, and even before he made The West Wing, he made a little show called Sports Night. Yeah, remember this show?
1: I do. I do. I wasn't a real close watcher of it, but I've I've seen mostly um,
0: after the fact on reruns and stuff. I do remember it being on, but I, you know, um, actually pretty good show. Um, Amanda and I have watched it. It's only like not even two full seasons, like 34 episodes or maybe 45. So maybe it is two full seasons, but but Felicity Huffman was on that. And uh, she was like one of the main characters, and then she went on to do Desperate Housewives and whatever else. And um, but uh, so that's why it's another '90s tie because that that movie is straight out of the late '90s. Yeah. Um, this like and then, uh, but I thought that was a pretty good show. Um, I've never watched the Newsroom. I've only seen that uh, fucking shitty take on millennials. Uh, yeah. Well, that, that's
1: if you watch. So I've watched that show newsroom's great um that you so just as a quick side note you got to watch that in context and it makes a lot more sense when you take it out of context and it becomes like this viral meme conservative screed against snowflakes it's yeah it's different anyway anyway
0: yeah Yeah. sorkin's done a lot of shit like a lot like uh a few good men yeah uh, he wrote apparently the the but he got his like Oscar for the Social Network the the Facebook movie yeah um so yeah he's been around a while he wrote a lot of stuff that um, yeah is very culturally relevant and and then also um, hired uh, uh, a felon yeah. So,
1: so um, two two other things really quick. Number one, if you like Aaron Sorkin, he was on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me about a week ago, I yeah, think. Yeah, I saw that. A week I, and yeah. a half ago. So that was awesome. It was, yeah. it was very funny, um, as that show typically is. And then Felicity Huffman is married to William H. Macy. Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't know that until today when I kept the, saying his name. And their kids. they're kids. The, the kids are their kids. Yep. And uh, oops. Whoopsie doodle. But I don't think William H got arrested. He did not. So, so he was he not involved, apparently. Apparently not involved. Apparently. Uh, apparently was she, just she going. went rogue.
0: She was being rogue. A, a a desperate housewife. Yeah, it kind of sounds like it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 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 no, she's not a housewife. Very successful woman on her own. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> that is true. But, but you know, if you watch, in, if you watch
1: you know, the, um, uh, the housewife show on Bravo that, you know, real housewives, like most of those people aren't actually housewives either. So. And one of those, uh, uh, on the New Jersey one, uh, the husband and
0: wife, one of the husband and wives, uh, both had to go to prison for tax tax. Yeah. Yeah. And they had to take turn take turns going to prison. So. Yeah. I wonder if, uh, if, uh, Aunt Becky is in for yeah. something like that as well. well. And oh.
1: Massimo guy. Oh, Massimo, Massimo guy. guy.
0: All right, that's he's gonna, go, he's gonna go to
1: prison, and he's gonna go. Do you know who I am? And they're gonna be like, No. He's like, I'm the Massimo guy. Like, and oh they're... yeah,
0: from like the nineties.
1: Like, are you? You mean like from the nineties? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like...
0: And I'm married to <laughs> Cory Laughlin.
1: I'm married but to in
0: Full House.
1: Full House. Have you ever watched Full House?
0: <laughs> so Jeff, is is Full House any good?
1: No. Yeah, it's terrible. It's, it's terrible. So I used to watch it, though, when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. yeah. It is kind of funny now, though. So Sarah watches, she watches the new ones. And, and so, like, sometimes, you know, I'm, like, laying in bed and she's got it on. and um. Yeah. But I do, like, I do think it's, like, kind of charming in a corny way because they are fully aware of their corniness. Like, you know, 25 years ago, maybe they were or 20 years ago, maybe they weren't. It was just sort of like the genre, right? The the Friday night, you know, family sitcom. But now it's like they definitely are sort of playing up the the uh, nostalgia, the the corny nostalgia. And well, yeah, it's, it was it's not so bad. It it was so
0: it was so like corny, like that. Like if Bob Saget, when it was done, would do like a a stand up bit and he would say a cuss word, like people. Would oh be my like, gosh! Oh my God! Bob Saget said fuck. <laughs> Yeah. So. so he's kind of made like I think most of his like appearances after that have been him uh, just being super vulgar and the yeah, complete opposite of, of
1: mind. Full
0: House. Yeah. Like and like that's how he's like made a living since yeah. then. So it's just because yeah. like, um, I don't. He's not on the uh, Fuller House, is he? He Isn't...
1: makes he makes cameos. So. Okay. So the the Fuller House is basically centered around the girls, and and the the gentlemen make appearances here and there, but that's it.
0: Are the uh, are the twins on it? No.
1: Yeah, no. I was. They say... are not. Yeah. At least not that I've seen. I I've not watched that closely, but I don't think so. Um, I don't think they want to scare anybody away.
0: Well, yeah, but the um the middle girl had a had like a rough patch is yeah. like she, yeah she had but uh and then um yeah so then Candace Cameron and her uh, brother that makes all the uh the Christian movies
1: <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> it's a very wholesome show yeah it's very wholesome yeah um but yeah um yeah so uh, it's it's pretty funny like if like this story would be one thing. I mean it, it kind of like at first it was like it probably would have like been interesting for uh sports nerds just to be like oh usc's cheating like because usc ucla they like you know but like they're not like what are they cheating by uh like the sports program like wasn't really like cheating by letting in someone who's not going to play for your teams at all right whatsoever. right um, but uh, but then it, it, you brought in this more of kind of more general interest aspect of it, where you've seen a lot more news services pick it yeah. up because like you have these very famous people.
1: The kickbacks um, were huge though. Like, did you see that? Like the like the Yale, whatever the Yale coach was, Yale tennis coach, or I'm probably gonna get sued for slander, but I don't remember whichever the Yale coach was got like 400 grand for yeah. participating in this. Like that is. Like, I mean, I don't know what the Yale whatever coach makes in a year in salary, but it can't be – it can't be any more than that.
0: Like oh, No way. No way. You
1: know, so they're like double – listen, any – you know, it's, it's a basic rule of economics, right? Like anytime there's a market and it's, you know, forced underground, like you're going to get like these like crazy outsized payments. You know, it's how you get, you know, college athletes, you know, shaving points and stuff because yeah. – It's like, you know, like it's what they're currently doing isn't quite lucrative enough. And there's this other, you know, black market that, um, you know, is unregulated. And and so they're, you know, like, what's it worth for someone to for their kid to get admission to Yale? I mean, you know, to be honest, um, if 400 grand doesn't seem like a bad deal, considering what you would what you would get out of being a Yale grad. I mean, that's like uh you know it's 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 pretty wild to kind of think of what the value of um or, or at the very least the perceived value of of that kind of a um of that kind of a degree is
0: well i would think like uh, if you're already like a lot of these like families were like the the there was already like ceos of companies and stuff like you don't already have those connections because the whole point of these ivy league stanford uh things is the connections that you get yes yes so like you're telling me like you maybe they didn't realize that like you know you probably already know all these people like if like if you want your kid to work at google or whatever like yeah they probably can you probably know the people that can get him a job there so it's like you know it's 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 you you probably you probably were you know in your uh love for your child
1: yeah um, i mean there's probably so a pride a, there's probably a pride uh, well of yeah that. it's yeah it's
0: less yeah it can be less the love for the child and more of the you know you want to be like well oh, well little benny is going to yale
1: right yeah you want to be little benny is going to umass amherst it's just an older version of when they you know fight over the exclusive preschools when they're four you know Oh, they've been, I mean, I mean, they've probably been doing this whole time, but they could
0: probably pay off the preschool people easy, you know? Like,
1: yeah. <laughs> or they'd just
0: be so, oh my God, you're Aunt Becky. Yeah, you <laughs> could come here. Oh, you're, the, you're Massimo guy? Yeah, I think I had a shirt. Uh, well, it was a knockoff yeah, shirt. Yeah. I, it wasn't the real one.
1: don't but they sell they- those <laughs> at Target? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: all right man we got a couple minutes here yeah it's actually a time and with
1: our self-imposed 90 minute limit but uh you got a good kid's story i don't i i do actually you know it's funny like i spend all week like walking around thinking what am i gonna do for the kid's story like it's it's got to be funny and it's gotta like be you know whatever so anyway so finally so last night i finally got my funny kid's story okay so so Tristan, my middle son, who um, a lot of these stories revolve around him because he is just such a, he, he's, he's a total character. Um, and so I, I go into his bedroom and every night he he is still young enough that he still wants me to tuck him into bed each night, you know, so I walk in there and cover him up with his blankets and tuck him in and, you know, say a little prayer with him and then, you know, turn off the light and he goes to bed. And so we do this every night. Well, last night I go in there And he's sitting up in bed and he goes, Dad. And I go, What? And he goes, What's a past tense verb? And I go, Kids nine, right? And I go, "Um, Okay, well, you know, and I'm an English teacher, right? I got to be able to answer this. And so I'm trying to think of, you know, how do I explain this in a way that, you know, makes sense to him, right? I said, well, I said, so a verb, so I figure I, I should probably start by defining a verb, right? Like what that is. And then we could say, okay, a past tense verb is a kind of verb, right? It's a different kind. So I say, well, a verb is a word that describes an action, like a thing that somebody does. So like, for example, I'm just kind of thinking and I see a soccer ball on his floor and I think, okay, kick. So I go, okay, so a, a verb is kick. Like I kick the ball. It's something that I do, right? And he goes, okay, yeah. And I said, okay, so past tense means it's, it's a verb it's a form of the word for something that you've done in the past. So the past tense verb or the past tense version of kick would be kicked. Like you kicked the ball in the past. Right. And he goes, Oh, okay. I get it. And I go, yeah. And then he goes, so like farted is past tense. (laughs) And I go, yes, yes. Farted is past tense. And then I look over and I realize what he is doing. He has a Mad Libs book. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So now he doesn't do the Mad Lib books the way you're supposed to do them, which is, you know, give all the words and then fill all the words in and then read the story as a surprise. He just likes to write the words in as he goes to make the story as funny as possible for himself. So without further ado, let me read to you the mad lib of a nine-year-old from rick and morty's mad libs Ooh, are you rick familiar with rick and morty
0: very much we can okay. talk about that on a different episode
1: okay so rick and morty's mad libs here we go this also is called,
0: he should not be watching rick and morty come on man He's he, nine doesn't, he doesn't he <laughs> doesn't okay. he doesn't
1: watch rick and morty no this was a mad book. we actually picked this up at the uh, at the sub pop store at the airport okay we were on our way to california the kids needed something to do their phones were out of batteries or something and so i bought him a mad libs i'm like here entertain yourselves and it actually worked so okay. um okay so here we go mad libs a squanchy story i don't know what squanchy is maybe it's you... uh i do um is it appropriate for my night uh, well it's has many meanings
0: um it, just it, it it's too hard to explain just keep going. okay
1: got it okay all right so here we go a squanchy story let me destroy you a story about the time Rick Birdperson and I squanched a ton of Galactic Federation butts. One night, Rick drank too much pee and picked a fight with a federal Toysaurus. Suddenly, we were outnumbered 999,999 to three. Thankfully, I always carry at least one spare rail gun for when things get squanchy. Uh, This one's supposed to be an animal, but but like a good nine-year-old, he put down butt again. (laughs) (laughs) Butt person and I covered Rick's back while he created a bomb out of a paperclip and a vial of corrosive dragons. During the farty explosion that followed, we snuck out the back butt and hijacked a plane but the federation put up a barrier made of butts to prevent our escape we throttled the boosters to full squanch and all yelled fart farts as we farted through the barrier and hurtled into the safety of the (laughs) my butt which is a place it was a close <laughs> call. We only squanched out of there by the skin of our butts, of course. The end. So, first of all, my kid has a great no, vocabulary, first, Craig. Uh,
0: as as someone who has watched every episode <laughs> of the show 10 times at least each that's some pretty on-brand Rick and Morty stuff. <laughs> Going with the butts <laughs> and farting. Like it's butts and farting are very much a part. Very of much the, Rick the and Morty. comedy in that show. Oh. Um, r- like the main character Rick is a, uh, a chronic alcoholic and burps periodically throughout his talking. Uh, they once they they go to a. Uh, they're going between different dimensions in the show, and they end up one where it's just a bunch of farting butts, like that are islands, and then, like it's just like, and there's just like parts where Rick just lets out a fart and like just in the middle of a conversation. So it's it's um it's fairly on <laughs> brand. Like I I feel like Tristan may have seen that show at one of his friends' houses. Yeah, he <laughs> probably
1: does. Yeah, I will say that filling up a Mad Libs with, uh, with butts with butts and farts also is is really the apple not falling far from the tree either. Yes. So I will definitely admit that one hundred percent that when I did Mad Libs, it was pretty much farts and butts. As we've said before, Jeff is an excellent parent. Yeah, one hundred percent. I have uh, my kid has an expansive vocabulary. I am an excellent parent. My kid is destined for Yale.
0: Well, you got to You got to pay, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not my kid. I won't have to pay. <laughs> He's but, uh, gonna on his own merits as a rower, something soccer rower.
0: So, on the topic of butts, my uh, my poor daughter is uh, she was a very regular pooper for a good amount of time, like just like three times a day, like, and you could like put it to a clock, like. You you didn't have to go check her, her check her diaper, which the most in like uh, babies have so, like there's this like indignity where like your parent there's always this person just grabbing you and sticking their nose in your butt and like did you go did you go like <laughs> yeah. like just just grabbing you pulling your pants down lifting your diaper out if they don't want to stick their nose in your butt because uh, well that's that's before it gets stinky when they start eating solid food. Uh, when they started eating solid food there's no there's no mystery about it. No no happened. no definitely not. <laughs> definitely so, not. So she's she had been pooping less and then yesterday it was just four enormous poops like before lunch. Like just like she was clearing everything out. Just, like I I I change her put her down half an hour later be like god what is that smell? Like oh my god she did it again. Like, like <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like so, poor kid. I, I, uh, we've talked to other parents where they say they have like, their kids have pooping days and non-pooping days.
1: Oh yeah, uh, it's not unusual for uh for a kid to to not poop for a we while.
0: Had, we had a friend who like, her kid would regularly go like nine like seven to nine days without going. Oh. But Bee's always been pretty regular, so we knew when she was only going once a day that. That something was coming. And then when yep. she woke up that morning, it was just a diaper. It somehow did, the diaper held. Good oh, job, Huggies. good job, Huggies. Um, the diaper held.
1: That's where the extra money goes.
0: And, and she's in that. She's in like an in between diaper size right now. So it's like, if you do it too small, it leaks, but it's kind of big. So that can leak too. So it's just like, just no big dumps, kid. Just, just regular size dumps. Yeah. And it'll be fine yeah but Yeah. so that's she's also got a tooth coming in so she's been super mm, little a little cranky i took a great picture of her just like crying like huge tears and send it to amanda while she was at work like here this is what you're missing
1: <laughs>
0: mm. uh, but yeah it's uh yeah so she's she's a little bit of cranky you know it's a tylen all night in the in the household um but uh yeah so not not as nothing as good as um Rick and Morty Butts Mad yeah. lib, which yeah. is like very yeah. on brand. I actually knowing Tristan he probably has never seen it, but just had an inkling based on the uh the artwork on the Mad lib. But yeah. yeah, Rick and Morty's definitely not a show for kids, even though it's animated. Yeah. Um it's pretty pretty damn funny show. Yeah. Um, he, with what? with very annoying fans. So it's like it's like it's like the Seahawks with the twelves, you know had some really good teams but some of the fans just became so annoying that you're like yeah I, yeah I like the Seahawks but I'm not them I'm don't I'm not them like just don't I like Rick and Morty but I'm not those dudes over there like who think they every episode is some greater meaning and, and like he the the, uh, the creators are geniuses always there's something genius that they're up to all the time like no there's a lot of fart jokes and I <laughs> <laughs> kind of like where most of it is headed.
1: Maybe, uh, maybe on a future some... podcast, we'll do a, we'll do a Mad Lib on the podcast.
0: Ooh, that's a good idea. I That'd also be pretty said, funny. I think as, uh, do you try to think what's it on? I don't know. You should go try to find a Rick and Morty episode and then we'll talk about it next week.
1: That sounds good. Let's do that. Yeah. Let's do that.
0: Um, all right, man. So yeah. Um, again, um, if you have suggestions for uh, how we should rate our beer uh, podcast versus everyone at gmail.com or at me at the Craig Powers I might start a Twitter account I'm really bad at following through it things like that but maybe maybe Jeff will he, he can get back in the Twitter game that way yeah um, I could do that yeah uh, um, like I said I'm at the Craig Powers if you have any questions or comments or you just like to see uh, the picture of the beer I'm drinking before the podcast even comes out. Oh, my God. Because uh, that's so interesting. Um, and then um, I
1: look forward to it. Yeah, you know, well, yeah. Of course you do. Of course I do.
0: You got to prepare yeah. your comments. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, whatever. Kook Center is cool. Um, go listen to the uh, podcast that um, the old WSC football blog guys are doing. Yeah, um, they'll probably be more about sports than ours. <laughs> uh, very <laughs> smart guys, um, smarter Kug than us, Kuk Sutra and uh, and Sean Hawkins. So yeah. Um, yeah, they were they were doing this before we were, man. Yeah. Um, so well, maybe not Jeff, but me. Uh, but yeah, so um, thanks for listening again. it will be oh a great week last week. Uh, I hope you all came back, but and I hope you made it this far. Um, but uh it'll be episode ten next week. We have some big things planned. No we don't. <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> Our tenth anniversary episode wait, no, that's not I don't know.
0: All right. Well yeah. I think that's good.
1: I think I think we're good. All right. Thank you everyone. All right. Goodbye.